Okay, so um, snapshots from Southwark. Okay, yeah, before I go on to Southwark uh, particularly, I, I, I came across it. In this work, we collected so much material um, before we even started doing the interviews, you know, looking at you know, what's out there in terms of what we know about Nigerians. And this is something we picked up from the BBC London uh, website, you know, what, because, because as much as I wanted to do the comparison, there was also a sense that there wasn't much really known. I mean, when Ole did his presentation, mm. we're talking about Black African or mm. Black Caribbean, mm. or, but there's no sense, even in statements by some uh, government workers in South that, you know, there's no sense of considering the descendants of Nigerian migrants as a social category. So I just want to know what was out there. So what's BBC London saying about Nigerians in London? Uh, they're vivacious and lively communities. Uh, a little bit of Lagos to London, and they quote, uh, they, they, they give a picture of um, the actor, Henry the Fourth. Okay, there he is. And uh, various things like that. And, and you know, the other they also refer to what do you know of London, Damodotea, yes, Peck, and that was a very sad story. I mean, they, they, they say uh, that was one of the worst uh, uh, examples of uh, what's going on in the Nigerian community in London. And then there's pictures like this, Shirley Bassey, Goldfinger. Okay, so not very detailed knowledge of um, the experience of Nigerians uh, in, 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 in or Nigerian origin communities in London. And in many ways, one of the problems with data that even is out there is that there's no distinction made between Nigerian origin communities, Nigerian, uh, the children of Nigerian parents born and mostly raised in the UK, more recent migrants. So what we do have, and this is, I'll, I'll give you the sources, and I think Lavinia picks up on some of the same sources. Um, the, we do have uh, knowledge of uh, the Nigerian community in London made apparently 70%, some 70% of Nigerians living in the UK live in London, concentrated in Southwark, Hackney, Lambeth, Lewisham and Ewan. Other sources also cite um, other parts of North London. Uh, and also um, Manchester, you know, large, large concentration of Nigerians in Manchester, Liverpool, Birmingham, Bradford, Bristol and Leeds are the biggest of those. Um, apparently, according to that wonderful 2001 census we don't have the next one, um, there were 88,000 odd Nigerian born immigrants in the UK in 2001, um, estimated to rise to uh, 154,000. Um, and uh, yes, seasonal estimates of foreign office claiming that there are between 800,000 and 3 million in the UK. Um, but that's quite, that's only 20 years ago, isn't it? Um, okay, so we've got some data on Nigerians generally, uh, and we'll be picking up on that later. But it doesn't include British born and Nigerian parents. And there are some resources that are giving us this information. Okay, I picked these photos, just uh, in terms of snapshots from Southwark. I picked uh, my, the research assistant, Kolumakite, uh, who was working on this project. Uh, put some photos of as she as she as she wandered through the streets of um, uh, Camberwell, um, and commented and kept a journal in which she made comments about some of these familiar sites. She knows this area well. <clears throat> it's where Nigerians go to pick up their their dress jewelry um, and so on. Okay, so what are we finding? I mean, what I've done here is I kind of distilled uh, some of the finding, what, what I'm picking up um, in, in, in a rough cut kind of way from 
from, from the, the, the interviews. Um, and I'll go through it briefly. But then there's also, I, I wanted to actually give you um, some um, interesting uh, sort of statements that all state in, in a similar way to Ole um, earlier. That, that people actually, the way, the way people actually described their things. So this is just my kind of take on it, but then I'll, I'll come on to people's, the, the terms people actually use themselves. And it's kind of a list of very interesting things. Okay, so we get the sense that there's a, we, you know, our work was in, 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 in Southwark, and as we've, we've seen, you know, the highest concentration of uh, Nigerians. I mean, initially when I wanted, when I started off doing this work, I had wanted to do, you know, a survey of experiences and, and narratives of Nigerians living in a very spatially concentrated area and compare those with much more scattered populations. That wasn't possible, so all we've got is, is the narratives of the first category. Um, you know, uh, it seems that spatial concentration is reinforcing deprivation. So um, one of the, 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 the interviewees talked about, you know, schools where there's high rates of exclusion as well being 90% black. We discussed we discussed some of the consequences of this, of, of this and uh, some of the links between that kind of concentrated black, maybe a black African and black West Indian uh, population, and that high school exclusion rate. And some interviewees were also saying that, you know, that, problem, that that problem with exclusion is reinforced because in many of these schools you also have head teachers who are also um, of African origin, West Indian, or, or, or rarely Nigeria, but West Indian, and who are also in a dynamic of targets and uh, being forced to prove themselves in failing schools, and often um, have a zero tolerance in terms of uh, difficult uh, uh, disciplinary uh, behavioral issues. And so that's also one of the underlying uh, patterns that uh, exclusion rates uh, take place, high exclusion rates take place. Okay, yes, there's an interesting, um, an interesting nuance as well, is that, you know, I've been going on about Nigerian Brits, Nigerian Brits all the time, but um, they're, they're, they're interviewees are making big distinctions between, you know, their experience of who those who we're talking about. Because I think my, my kind of blinkers um, were basically determined by my own experience, okay? But, you know, in Peckham, um, Nigerian-born, or mostly raised in the UK, are living with new arrivals, new arrivals of quite advanced age, you know, who are entering the school system, but haven't been in the school system, and, and there are particular issues facing that category in terms of their integration. Integration issues they face are not the same as the, the British-born, who actually resent even the term integration being used, uh, just like their French counterparts, um, because they, 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 they see themselves having to integrate into anything that they're already here. Um, and, and you know, many commented that you know a lot of the high-level vulnerability of particularly uh, 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 you know Nigerian origin boys in that category um, are around their new arrival, the need for so socialization, um, the need to, to, to prove themselves, and and uh, you know, some of the so-called gang um, uh, socialization culture emerges in and around that category of people. It has to be tested, but that was something that kept on coming up. Um, okay, uh, yeah, that's what I said. Um, yes, and uh, not Nigerian specific. Yes, you know, this, I was particularly interested in, and you know, um, the, the case that I began with of Timmy 
you know, I wanted to dedicate this uh, workshop to, you know, is telling, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you wouldn't necessarily have um, had examples of, you know, Nigerian names in the newspapers as the, um, as the focus of kind of crime statistics. It was bad enough that it was a black person, you know, you'd be like, oh no, not that black person who's a, you know, you know but, but that now it's Nigerian names, you know, that you can very clearly work out. So there's something new happening. Um, but, you know, it's not particular to, to, to Nigerians. Um, you know, there are even some gangs in Peckham which are, you know, so Ole, you mentioned, you know, this tension between West Indians and Africans. They, they sold them. You know, there are Nigerian, mm. predominant Nigerian gangs in Peckham that use, that, that have names like "Don't mess with Nigerians" or something. You know, just to kind of reinforce that that um, that, that 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 attempt to 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 to, to, to be seen as as bold and and um, no longer to be <coughs> derided from the past. Um, I, I spoke a little bit earlier about the exclusion issue and. In particular policy uh, fallouts of, of, of this, you know, um, particularly in a situation where parents are ill-equipped to be able to um, manage some of the issues leading towards um, uh, exclusion. Um, you know, one interviewee, you know, there's a lot of there are a lot of there's a lot of evidence in, in the in the interviews of. Um, family situations that were quite unstable, you know, so children beginning their lives, their early years in foster care or foster, you know, that, that pattern's quite continuous amongst a lot of Nigerian households, or being raised uh, with some siblings or not, or with others being raised in Nigeria, uh, not necessarily being raised by the parents or one parent or the father often being absent. Um, and one interviewee said, you know, it's not, it's not that families are, you know, parents are divorced or separated that is the issue. It's what that um, parent, the remaining parent, is able to, the resources she or he is able to mobilize in order to make strategic choices for the, the education of their, or, you know, their children. And this particular person who um, was from a single parent family, whose father left when he was five, went on to go to Cambridge University and you know, did really well. And so the strategic choice that his mother made, another example, you know, taking him outside, even though he lived all his life in the state, which he said is a very nice state, he's very proud of having been brought up in the state, but he, um, his mother took him to school very, very far away, somewhere, um, yeah. Okay, so results. Uh, yes, yeah, so these are some of the, the, the negative issues that kept on coming up, um, affecting uh, young people uh, living in South Africa, you, know, you referred earlier in our conversations to high teenage pregnancies so wrong with affecting Nigerian girls. Um, I found this information, maybe because I've never looked at Southwark, or it's not, you know, my, my experience of being Nigerian in Britain and being British in Nigeria is, is from North London, um, and from the Green, and um, teenage pregnancies amongst Nigerian girls I found really shocking. I hadn't known that that was a a phenomena and uh, it came up a lot, uh, girls involved in gangs and, and, and so on, Nigerian um, uh, girls involved in gangs, that was quite, that was, that was quite striking. Um, um, okay, and so 
And yes, another thing as well, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, in the policy re knee-jerk reaction to um, the riots, for example, there's been a lot of talk of the need to invest more in youth services, or, you know, there's been a lot of talk about youth services having been cut, um, and that being a precursor to, um, you know, uh, some of the frustrations that um, gave rise to the riots. But in our interviews, we found that people were often quite critical of inappropriate types of support to youth services. So it wasn't just a need for more, but better. And you know, there were some youth uh, organizational youth services that were actually reinforcing gang associations, so particular youth groups associated with particular gangs, and, and so on. So there needs, it would seem that in terms of policy responses for those who are interested in that kind of thing, it's about you know, rethinking what we, what we, what we mean by um, you know, appropriate youth support. And you know, a lot of the interview, especially with community workers, they talked about youth, their, their, their like, what's it? Their, um, what's it? Raison d'etre, their motivation, their motive, their aim, being to keep youth engaged, to keep youth engaged, keep on coming up the trope, not something, keep youth engaged. Engaged for what? I'm thinking, do you want to engage? The idea of keeping them engaged, keeping them off the streets. You know, but, you know, there's like, you know, it seemed also to be a kind of like treading water approach to, you know, the more, more, more serious, I don't know, more thought through interventions. I mean, I haven't got answers to these things, but it just seemed to be like not really resolving the issue. Um, yeah, okay, so those are negatives. On the positives, I don't know why I put it in negatives and positives, but I, I felt I really needed to, to kind of um, do justice to the, the, the appeal by many of the interviewees that they were, you know, that, that, that their, their area kept on getting bad publicity. So let me say something a bit more positive. You know, about parenting strategies for children when switched on. I mean, I think that's really important. You know, there's a lot of, lot of talk in the um, post-riot thing about, you know, um, oh, it's poor parenting and the rest of it. But um, I think the interviews were, 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 were giving us an in, some insights into, you know, in spite of a difficult situation, how switched on parents, for whatever reason, managed to navigate. It's not deep, not addressing the fundamentals, and we talked this morning, you know, in many ways, in trying to navigate the system. Um, sometimes they're buying into the very kind of market response or solutions to making sure their child does well that are sort of undermining fairer chances for everyone. So those solutions may be not, um, sort of in policy terms, um, the ways forward. But I, I do think, I do think, um, you know, we can't see, we can't understand the minority, the, you know, the, 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 the questions around uh, the lives of, of, of citizens of African descent if we don't understand what's happening with their parents, you know, and I, and I, and I quite like the way that helps us to do that in a very positive way. Um, yes, you know, also, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, maybe this is just my, 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 my concern, there's a kind of um, tendency to think about racial or, or spatial concentration segregation, or whatever, you know, concentration, you know, 90% black in, in schools as, 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 as necessarily problematic. I do think it's problematic when it's, when it's uh, as I said before, linked to, uh, you know, disadvantage and so on. But, you know, um, there, there, 
in, in, but there are also issues around choice. <clears throat> there may be reasons or very positive um, and uh, logical reasons why even it, where incomes rise, you know, families, parents might be making a choice to stay within community, within a highly spatial concentrated setting because of opportunities for home ownership or larger, you know, you know, dealing with large family sizes and so on. Particularly in France, you see this being very much the case. So the really no one wants to leave, no Parisian word there still wants to live in the banlieue, okay, in the suburbs. But you have immigrants concentrating all around the suburbs. And, and why is that? Because in housing stock in Paris, they're not building down and they're all old, you know, accommodation with very small uh, surface areas. And so in order to be able to house um, immigrant families, they move them out. Okay, that's created a whole, you know, apartheid of sorts, you know, let's call it what it is. But that the choice, you know, you, you can get, you know, four bedroom apartments in the volume and you just can't get that any, rarely in Paris, you know. So, it's quite interesting to think about uh, the, the, the so-called ghetto in, in more than just kind of bleak terms. Um, let me see. Yes, I thought it was another very interesting thing that came out. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in politics, politics of all this, not just the policy implications, but, you know, how in the identity, uh, you know, repertoires, narratives of people, you know, they're all, it's all just about, you know, how they, how they integrate in the broader sense, how they become part of political communities, the wider political communities. And um, I was very in, intrigued that, you know, a lot of the, a number of the, the interviewees talked about their engagement in, or, or their understanding, their, their attitudes to politics, political parties or uh, political issues such as, um, uh, uh, university fees, uh, you know, and, and so on. But they were they were interested in those issues in and of themselves. They were going on demonstrations. They were going on march. They were part of the, the, their their explanation of why they were so angry around the riots was because previous to the riots, they'd also been on um, demonstrations around uh, student loans, you know, and so or university fees. So they, they were they were engaged in. Uh, it's not that they were all very highly politicized or anything like that, but there was a sense in which the issues that they were um, mobilizable around were issues which were not just, you know, along racial or, 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 or so-called communal lines. They had broader, um, they had broader uh, a remit. And also, just finally, Oli mentioned in his paper, um, the black church or you know re religious identities and, and I think there is a sense it came through very much when we were talking to local government people about you know what's important to people of African descent they would refer to the church and you know faith communities and there is a sense of um, you know blossoming of Nigerian churches in in, 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 in southern as, as a really important phenomenon but interestingly enough when I quizzed my um, interviewees about this they were very much more nuanced about their um, religious or, or faith um, identities. You know, the Christian ones among them, and often they were all Christian and Muslim territories, that's also interesting, would say things like, yeah, you know, we are selective in the churches that we go to. You know, we don't want to go to all Nigerian churches or exploitative churches. We want to go to churches where there's cosmopolitan, you know, where there's a cosmopolitan feel. You know, we've got people from all over. So there was a kind of a, a kind of 
a, 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 a reworking of the kind of religious um, identity, but it wasn't um, just a borrowing from parents or you know, it was something much more, um, uh, yeah, much more complex, you know. So, okay, I'll just finish with a few quotes and then we're going to do the, um, we'll have a little, we'll have a little discussion on this, okay? Um, or if we can, we can, you know, you can give feedback, any, any comments. Um, I, I, on education has come up a lot. I mean, I'm not going to go through all of these. I just wanted to get them all down um, in terms of the things that I felt that were very salient. But, you know, education has come up a lot. And, um, and this quote from a, a community um, worker uh, is that, uh, it's quite telling, you know, education is not just the result of poor schools, but high absence when children just don't turn up. You know, there, I think it was a kind of... Um, and a, a kind of attack on, um, on, on, you know, blaming, blaming others. You know, there, there are issues, basic issues about who is ensuring that the children turn up to school. Um, no black on black problems, but there are social problems. Um, there's a sense of government being willing, particularly after the, the Damanola Taylor um, event, to throw money at the black community, but not address root causes. Um, okay, there was issues around mental health uh, that kept on coming up quite regularly. Um, what else we have here? Difficulties of becoming and re-becoming a citizen. Yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned this in terms of, you know, uh, people's, uh, I'm presuming that everyone's British, you know, Nigerian Brits, but there are issues around, you know, who has automatic citizenship, you know, um, there were cases where people thought that they were British citizens and then they lost their they lost their passports and then their citizenship was suddenly questioned after they'd been born here and raised here and had to prove it and that suddenly those issues point out to people actually it's not a done deal, um, you know, and, and create big issues around effective ties. Um, yes, this has came up but you have to work five times harder. Um, volunteering as a way out of the ghetto that, that, that started started to emerge and there was a, someone who spoke to me about her active her, 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 how she saw her involvement in the there's a Damanola Tech Centre uh, in Southwark which was it's a kind of all youth sports facilities facilities centre and one of the people from there was supposed to be here obviously anyway and uh, she was talking about how the centre is almost like her second community, her second home. You are there, right? <laughs> she was saying the centre is her second home and, and she and, 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 and how volunteering, she's 18, very articulate 18 year old, uh, and, and how the centre is like enabling her through volunteering to kind of deal with some of her own issues to do with the kind of distancing between her and her parents. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just very interesting to see her um, trying to appropriate a, a new notion of community, which was around uh, volunteering, which I, which was rare in the discourses that I was, I was hearing. Okay. Um, okay. Yes, I'll finish on this, and this is um, one of the one of the things that I began with around um, parents, and, and we can't understand the products of. 
if you don't understand where they come <coughs> from. And and I think um, that parent, poor parenting, bad parenting, has taken a big knock. And so there's a sense of which we're not going to get if, if we're undermining, um, you know, parenting. Then 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 we're then, then we're sort of um, cutting the, the, the grass from under the feet of, of, of the children. Okay, stop there.